Welcome back, everybody. And we're off. New and improved version of Gregorian Rant. We'll see about improved. Yeah, it's true. You never know. It may not be improved, and now you get to just see the video portion of non-improvement. It's that old <clears throat> that old statement about, man, FB, you've got a great face for radio. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> no longer the case. The problem is I don't have a great radio voice. I actually think it's better than I thought. Yeah. It's it's a little better than I it thought. It took us, and especially once we got the tech issues worked out. Yeah. And like getting our volumes on the same and not bouncing back and forth in people's earphones. Yep. That's it true. Out. You're kind that's of true. the songbird of our generation. The songbird? <laughs> yeah. What does that even mean? <laughs> Seriously. It's, it's a movie reference. I'll leave it there. <clears throat> okay. I don't know it. If anyone knows, then they need to go to confession like I to do. To confession. Yeah. So we, uh, with our video this week, uh, quick shout out. That's right. Ryan Canelli, who is helping us out. He's in RCIA. Uh, and so he graciously is helping Patrick and I because we're not tech guys. At all. At all. How cool is that? Literally from RCIA, started watching the podcast and just offered to help. I don't think he Pretty, watched the podcast. That's right. Listened to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm already like bought into this video thing. So here's the cool thing. So if you're watching, so I because it's our first video, I brought this mug. This is the kind of mugs that priests get. You probably can't see it, but it says, I told you a thousand times, I'm a priest, not a miracle worker. Well played. What was your, like, were you really excited when you got that one? I think my mom got me this one. <laughs> my mom loves these, like, tacky mugs. Yeah. She got me one that says, I love my white collar job and has a white priest collar on it. Nice. Yeah. Touche. It's a little Teresa love you, mom. Larkin. Teresa Larkin. She'll listen to this. That's right. Love you, mom. Thank you for the mugs. They're a little tacky, but we love you. That is awesome. I don't really have the problem. I don't like mugs all that much. This is so random. How do you we like your here? one from Morgan? I do, but you know why? Because it's big enough. Like that. Yeah, that this is a smaller one. Eight ounces of coffee would drive me bonkers. The problem usually with big coffee mugs, this is our topic for today is coffee mugs. Yes. The problem with big coffee mugs is that they, they lose all their heat. Usually if they have a big opening at least, then all the heat goes out and your coffee's hot for about 10 seconds. That's, yes. But I normally don't like savor the coffee for hours. So I'm kind of through it yeah. and then I'm covered. So I get this huge adrenaline rush within like three minutes Okay. And then I, that's why I sleep at my desk most of the day. I wasn't going to say anything about that. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. That's why I'm a good boss. <laughs> you are. So today, uh, today we're going to talk about our, we have a great topic today. It's a very, um, kind of basic topic, but it's one that people wonder about all the time. And so we're going to talk all things confession today. Oh, my favorite. Uh, the thing that most people are a little scared of when they go through RCIA. I don't know if Ryan, Ryan, give, are you a little scared of confession? You're ready to rock. <laughs> All right, we'll see about that. The uh, We're talking about confession today, but to, to kick things off, so I was thinking about this. So in our culture today, and I'm curious what you would say, Patrick, but if you had to say what's wrong with the world, what would you say is wrong with the world? One answer. You can't, no one big, long, nuanced answers. What's wrong with the world? <sighs> deep you gave me no heads up on this i know that's because uh, we're real i i don't know i would i'm leaning towards two things i'm gonna have to go two things because 
I have to. Uh, one being, and I don't know if it's changed over time. I don't know if that's where you're going, but I would say this concept of like needing more and whether or not that's like, and that's always creating this like kind of perpetual hell in a sense of like you're never satisfied. And two, the concept of um, it's really hard to, and more kind of thinking the lines of like current times really hard to grow as a human like you the minute you mess up you're done yep that's i mean that's a good answer thank you but that's not so that's your answer that is. what do you i think um so i'm gonna be like the teacher who's like read my mind that's right walk me, me walk me give to me the, the answer, answer that i want <laughs> socratic <laughs> method <laughs> the socratic me. method I read it, uh, one of the Socratic, the Platonic dialogues the other day, but that's we won't go into that. Oh, that sounds so engaging. It's <laughs> it's actually <laughs> really wait. good. But if you were going to say, what about okay, so in not you, Patrick Devaney, but let's say in the world right now, if you and if, if someone out in the world's, let's say you ask just the average person on the street, you say, hey, what's what's wrong with our world today? What do you think they'd say? That was a cute noise. I, I honestly have no idea where you're trying to go with that. That's okay. Uh, so here's my point. Yeah. So I think what most people would say is in some way, shape, or form, they would say someone else. Okay. Right? So so right now, we've got lots of problems in the world. Yep. But usually, no matter what side of the political aisle you fall on or no matter what religion you're a part of usually, if you're from the city or the country, you know, whatever – usually what people say is the problem is those guys, right? And so, uh, so uh, AOC, right, <clears throat> recently accused uh, Ted Cruz and I forget the other guy, Josh Howley, I think, of literally like trying to murder her yep. as being part of the siege the siege on the Capitol. Yeah. And then, you, you know, I think Republicans do the same thing. You know, they're like, oh, what's the problem? The problem is the far left. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think, and this leads to our topic today, and there's a cool story if you haven't heard this. So G.K. Chesterton is someone I like to quote a lot. You know who he is. Yep. As a Chesterton, one time there was a um, essay contest. Uh, He was British, so I assume it was in London. I'm going to get the details wrong here. Let me pull this up really quick. So G.K. Chesterton, there was this essay, and they said, what's wrong with the world? And he wrote in and he won the contest. I think it was for a newspaper. But he wrote in and he just wrote, and here it is on my screen. Uh, he said, Dear Sirs, I am sincerely yours, G.K. Chesterton. <laughs> Touche. Isn't that a great line? That's awesome. And then later on, he wrote a book uh, called What's Wrong with the World. And here, so he wrote a whole book on the problems of modern society. But this is, I think, a great intro and a confession is that in our lives, and not just in the modern world, but I think anywhere out there, it's so easy today to just say, you know what's wrong with the world? Those people. Yep. Um, and Chesterton, and I, it's just so refreshing, right? Like, I think right now in our world, we need more people who, who can see their own faults. I feel like that's modern psychology in general from the standpoint of like, now more than ever in the tech era, we have more quote unquote experts in the field. You log on to any social media, and I, there was an interesting study, and I forget the two uh, scientists that actually like performed the study, and it's their method or whatever they call it. But it was basically saying um, 
those who think they know the most actually know the the least amount. Right. And the smartest people always like underrate how much they know. Yeah, they're they're humble. They're humble, but they also are like it it was kind of like uh, the wisest man, oh, gosh, I forget who said this. Uh, Socrates, maybe was yeah, like it is. It was. I was like, just gonna say you just brought up Plato and Socrates. Yeah, the, that literally yeah. was like the wisest man knows knows the least or acknowledges that he knows the least. Yeah, that was Socrates. Yeah. So, so Plato, that's in the Apology, and Socrates. What happens is, and this is pride, right? Is yeah. That he, um, he's giving his apology for why he's not corrupting the youth. And he goes around and whenever he asks people who claim to know something and he just starts asking them, it turns out they really don't know what they're talking about. And the Oracle of Delphi, I think, tells him that he is the wisest man ever. And he's troubled by it. He's like, I actually don't know much. And so he goes around looking for people who do. And what he discovers is exactly what you said, is that the reason that Socrates is wise it's because he's humble. Is because he knows that the truth is greater than him, and he's humble before it. He doesn't pretend to know everything. Gosh, I mean, how much better off would the world be if we could all just like acknowledge that fact of, right? I have no idea, you know, and and to not only be humble, but also the standpoint of like, to what you're saying, everyone wants to point, and I'm guilty of it. Everyone's guilty of it, but you know, it's not me; it's them. But from right. the, from the standpoint of like how much turmoil that causes you. And especially now when politically and all these like external factors happening in the world, there's only a certain amount of things I can personally control. Right. Which I think is a huge issue too. When like you look at life and you're like, life's not fair. Like how often you grow up as a kid and your parents are like, life's not fair. Sorry that happened. Life's (laughs) just tough. And you're like, you hate it as a kid, but as you grow up, you're like, yeah, mom was kind of right. Like life is tough. But then it comes down to like you're perceiving life from your perspective and being like, wow, that person got into this college. I didn't. Right. Or whatever. Like, it, But you start to beat yourself up over it when there really isn't. It's not a fair playing field to just say, you know, they have it better off than I do or whatever it is. But yeah. you're kind of looking at the life through the lens of it's their fault, not mine. Like I'm not personally responsible. Yeah. It's really interesting. And I think it's such a, I think it's a great way to look at confession today because our society today, right? We all see it. There's, there's this big thing, virtue signaling. Yep. And, um, I think there's kind of a, I would actually say there's a bit of a counterfeit righteousness out there. Uh-huh. Uh, but people are just really quick to condemn others. Yep. There's a, there's a funny story. It reminds me of, there's a guy I was in seminary with and he was, he was a little bit of a strange guy, but he, um, there's this famous story in seminary where he he was wrong about something or he screwed something up and some guy called him on it. They're like, what are you doing? Like, you screwed that up. And he looked at me and he goes, I don't make mistakes. <laughs> he goes, right? I know. No, he literally said, yeah. he goes, it was so funny. He goes, I don't make mistakes. I sin, but I don't make mistakes. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. We love crazy. Father Mike. He's a great guy. Yeah, Father Mike. Yeah, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mike would never say that. No. Yeah. No, it's it is too funny. But yeah, I think so I think, you know, in our culture right now though, one of the things we need to rediscover is that for a society to function, there is this thing called original sin. Right. right? And original sin is not a sin that we commit. It's a 
original sin means that all of us are broken and that we're prone towards sin. But what it means is that really all of us sin. And it's way easier to look at other people and see their faults and their sins. And it's, it's a lot harder to look at yourself and to be a person of humility and to ask for forgiveness. Um, and I think, I think this is one of the things that's so beautiful about the church's teaching on confession. Um, and one thing I was telling Patrick, you know, earlier is that I think one of the things that's so interesting today, I see this all over the place is that our culture right? There's temptation everywhere. You and I talk about this. Um, There is temptation like you wouldn't believe. And so I think the world pushes, it's okay to live like this wild lifestyle. And like we, we play with fire all the time um, with sexuality and with money and with power and all kinds of different things. And so we, we push that and then, but then if someone actually screws up and like does something really bad, there is no forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And even sometimes for lesser things, I mean, things like where, where people will say inappropriate things from the past, which aren't, you know, they're inappropriate, but who hasn't said an inappropriate thing Correct. in their life? Yep. Um, but the church, so, so society, I think, society is always pushing the envelope on what's okay. Um, and then when someone falls, so, so for instance, sexuality is the easiest one, I think. It's like pornography is everywhere, mm-hmm. right? And sexuality is just pushed at every corner. And so men are tempted in a huge way and women are tempted that they have to look a certain way. They have to behave a certain way. Yep. But then, you know, and we think, oh, that's great and fine. And that's all good. But then we're surprised when people fall. Yep. And the church on the opposite side, the church tends to be like, let's avoid sin. Let don't play with fire. It's a really bad idea. Don't, don't, go into the near occasion of sin, right? Don't go near places where you're likely to commit a sin. But then when someone does fall, the church does have mercy. That's right. And I love that. And it's it's exactly the opposite of our quote-unquote tolerant society. And I feel like the issue too, like the hardest part in the world today of like, you're so afraid to mess up and there is no forgiveness that then the simple act like when I was talking about it, like with the eating disorder, like you and I joke about it and I, Steph is, I've joked about it with her. Like, well, I'll walk into a gym with her. And next thing right. I know I'm inundated with women in like Lululemon pants, like just a sports bra, all these things. And you're like, gosh, I got to get out of here. Like, this isn't good for my right. soul. And it's everywhere. And the problem is it was the minute you mess up and you fail, you get beat up as opposed to being able to just come to you or whoever, you as my friend or you as my priest, right. and to just say like, man, that was really tough. And the weight of the world instantly comes off your shoulders because you aired it out and it's no longer, it may still be a temptation, right? but it's no longer this giant elephant in the room that only you're carrying the burden of. That's that's so true. And before we get to sacramental confession, by the way, quick shout out to the Smith family. Do you know that I have a pair of Lululemon shorts? I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> I just admitted You've that publicly. Never worn those. <laughs> no, yeah. I have. You just haven't noticed. Dang it! Uh, but Julie Smith, Julie and Kevin Smith, they're a great family. They're not. They're not Lord's prisoners. They come every once in a while. Great people, though. <laughs> and so Julie bought me a pair of, and she wrote me a little note, or maybe she told me in person. She was like, she was like, FB, like, I know you're you're going to be a little insecure, like yeah. Lululemon shorts with the priest, like, okay, and. uh, 
she was like, but Kevin, she's like, I got him a pair. He objected. And now he loves them. Yeah. And I will say they, they are, are remarkably comfortable. They're, they're, do you have some Lululemon? I do. See, there you go. <laughs> yeah. It's not just me. That's right. And I always have to send Steph, my wife, to go get it for me. Yeah. Hey, you know, go get me a pair of these things. I don't want to walk in and actually buy it. But uh, if I say you got it for me, it makes it a lot easier. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. One more story like that. My That reminds me. Let's, let's throw Father John Neppel under the bus a little Yeah, let's here. do this. Let's do it. He, um, but when we were in seminary, we had our friend Shannon so Shannon Gunning is now sister Mary Casey. She's a sister of life. Shout and out. Shout out. She probably won't listen because I don't know if nuns can nuns listen to podcasts. You're asking me that? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. Uh, I would probably say no, but I would hope so. It's Catholic. Yeah. Right. It's Catholic. I don't know. So sister Mary Casey back then, Shannon Gunning, good friend of mine. We, uh, we were really good friends when I was in seminary. And we used to go, we would go study Father John. We weren't priests yet. So John and I would go read at a coffee shop and Shannon would come join us sometimes and we'd just hang out and read and study whatever. But whenever we went to Starbucks, John loved the um, white chocolate mochas, yes. but he was too embarrassed to order them for himself. So he always made Shannon go order him a the <laughs> white chocolate or peppermint. That was a white peppermint mocha. Yeah, white peppermint mocha. Way to go, Father John. Cat is out of the bag. There it is. Gosh, I hope people send them those now. Like, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know how they would do that. Uber Eats peppermint mochas to the rectory. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, real quick, though, I do want to hit on something you said. It's so good. So I think <clears throat> confession, you talk about stuff, right? Like, Or like you and I have talked about that before. Like we'll be yeah. at the gym and it's like, hey, these women don't seem to have a lot of clothes on. And it's, it's kind of helpful to just talk about it among two Ooh, guys and I be like, <laughs> Hey, and not, and in a way we're like, we want to help each other to be chaste and virtuous. You're a married man. I'm a priest. And it's really helpful to, to not be like isolated by yourself in that. That's right. I'll, like, oh, now that that was brought up, <clears throat> the first time you and I went to the gym together, we walked in and I don't know if I was more uncomfortable because of what I saw when I first walked in or thinking like, I wonder, did Father Brian see that? Like, am I the only one that just walked in and saw that? Like... And we both kind of looked at each other and acknowledged the fact of like, oh no, we both saw it. Like, and from oh, yeah. right there, like every time we've gone back to the gym, it's been like, it's so refreshing to just walk in and be like, dude, what is happening? Like, how is this actually happening? And to be able to do that with you is pretty awesome. Yeah. But I'll never forget that, like my internal like confusion of like, do I say something? Do I not? Did he see it? I, I don't know what to do. Yeah. It was... <laughs> No, and it's it's it, and the thing is, is that the general before we get to sacramental confession, one of the great general points about this, right, is that <clears throat> that experience at the gym, temptation, and, and then we were in it. That wasn't even sin, but like sin and temptation wants to remain hidden. Yep. And so there's a great passage in the beginning of Isaiah. So Isaiah chapter one, this is verse eighteen. God is speaking, and He says, "Come, let us reason together," says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. They, though they are red like crimson, they shall become white as wool. Um, there's something about like <clears throat> sin has a power and an authority over us when it's hidden. And what Satan does to every one of us is he wants, and this is especially dangerous, I think, in Christian communities. And Lord's is a primary example of this. 
we've talked about it before, I'm sure, is people at Lord seem like they're all perfect. Yeah. And I have people in this office who come and speak to me and they say, well, Father Brian, I, I can't go to Lord's. Like, look at everyone. Like, they're all perfect. And that's not good. Yep. That is not good. Like, all of us are sinners, right? First John says that um, if we say we have no sin, uh, then we call him a liar and the truth is not in us. We have to acknowledge our sins. We're all sinners. And by the way, it brings us closer together. Now, it, that doesn't mean we're like walk around being like, hey, guess what I did today? That's right. That's right. <laughs> like, we don't boast in our sins. We don't exalt them. We don't celebrate sin. But we don't let the sin sit in the darkness. We bring it to the light. And when it's in the light, it loses its power over us. Oh, not to divert here, but now I'm thinking back to purgatory. Yeah. I listened to that podcast. That was, I don't want to self-congratulate ourselves too much, but I thought that was a really good podcast. It was, I, my, I still think about it so much. And that right when you were saying that though, if you struggle with a temptation here on earth and you don't really recognize like whatever it is, lust, envy, greed, any of that kind of stuff. Right. But then you get to purgatory where now you're quote unquote walking this hill and yep. you're trying to overcome this temptation to find true freedom. But you get there and you're like, yeah, I really struggle with lust. Yep. But now I really struggle with the fact that everybody knows I'm here overcoming lust and now it's an ego thing. Now I feel like you're at stage one right. <laughs> like of Dante's hill. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. We're like, now it's, now it's not even, you're, now it's more than just the actual temptation because you've gone through life not being able to open up and express like, and to your point, you're not boasting in it, but comparing yourself and be like, everyone else is perfect. I can't admit to this or, yeah. you know, whatever. One, it's so unhealthy, but two... I would feel like you get to purgatory. It's a rude awakening of just yeah. airing out the sheets. Well, the first, I think, you know, and again, this is not Catholic teaching. Right. But it's, but I think Dante gets this right. So Dante, like you alluded to, Dante's first level of purgatory was the first sin you had to overcome. It, isn't it ego? It's related right. to ego. It's pride. Pride, yeah. Yeah. So pride's the first thing you had to overcome. Yeah. And so on each level, right, you... um you overcome one of the seven deadly sins. And so the first deadly sin to overcome is pride. So in Dante's conception, at least this isn't a problem because you don't, ha you don't have any pride. Um, you are, you are someone who, and, and pride is a, is about falsehood in some ways. So humility is oftentimes seen as the opposite of pride. And what humility is, humility is not, I hate myself. I'm terrible. Yeah. I'm the worst. That's not humility. That's false humility. Real humility is just seeing the truth. And so there's a, there's a great line from a, a monk named Michael Casey where he says that uh, the humble person um, is, is free, and I'm going to butcher this line, but he says the humble person is free because he is neither disturbed by criticism nor is he flattered by praise because he sees himself as he truly is. And, Interesting. And yeah. so they're comfortable, right? Like you've overcome, you've overcome this tendency of like com comparing myself to others. And Mount Purgatory, by the way, right? It, the whole thing is about love. Mm -hmm. And so you're growing in love as you go. And yeah, people see it, but maybe one last point, and then we should, we should probably get to actual confession. But one last point on that is at the top of Mount Purgatory, and again, Dante there is talking about redeemed humanity 
is what that symbolizes us as we should be. Before you move into the third book, the Paradiso, the the heavenly spheres, you uh, Dante drinks of there's two streams in the Garden of Eden on top of Mount Purgatory, and one of them makes you forget all of the evils you have committed. And then the other one, you drink from the second stream, and it restores all of your memories, but in such a way that there is no shame. And what that should do, right? Like, so Jesus talks in the gospel. Um, I think he's when he's at the uh, table of Simon the Pharisee, and he talks about if a if a man for if a master forgives two debtors, which one will love him more? The one who forgives who has more debt, or the one who has less? And the Simon the Pharisee says, "Well, the one who has more." And Jesus says that he says that's right. Like, and so the way this relates is that when when my sins are forgiven, they're no longer a source of shame. They're actually just a cause for greater gratitude to God. Totally. And to see his glory and to like, it's my, my sins are no longer a big deal Mm -hmm. and I don't feel shame from them. What I feel is I feel gratitude that God is that good, that he, he is that merciful. Yep. Yep. Oh, that's awesome. So should we talk about sacramental confession? Let's do it. Why? Do I need to go to a priest? This is a question I always get. Yeah, that I'd love your help. How do you answer, by the way? And let's, let's the question out there, right? Is like, if you're coming from a Protestant background, or sometimes if you're from a, just a non-Catholic, or even Catholics, right? It's it's God who forgives sins, and it seems kind of odd of like, why do I have to go to a priest? Yep, that was always. I mean, out the gates, it was one something I struggle with, and I get asked all the time. But especially come from the Protestant world, where it's like very much relationship piece of Jesus. Right. And like you were loved. We're all sinners and you're, you're kind of just good. It's yeah. just like you showed up today. It's Sunday or you're watching this online on Wednesday, whatever it is. Right. But God loves you. You're forgiven. And to ask for forgiveness. Um, and the way I would typically kind of just go with it. I don't necessarily have like the, the teaching as a why, you know, the reference in the Bible or any of that kind of stuff, but it's more, Again, the ability to go in behind a screen or in person. And I think there's layers to it that I found that I love as yeah. far as do you go behind the screen? Do you go to a different priest each time? Are you priest right. hopping? All the, yeah, there's, totally. you know, there's a no, whole no, like, no Catholic has ever priest hopped. That's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but if all of a sudden you have one confessor and you're kind of going in there, like you get called out, like, Hey man, you were here three days ago and you said the same thing. Like you can right. start to kind of dive into that. But exactly your point earlier being able to go in and it's not about the judgment that I like, I love going with you. So it's not, it's not about a judgment from you or I go to you to just like, cause you're my friend, any of that kind of stuff. It's the fact that I can sit down and say it with open arms and say, this is what I did. Right. And, and the amount of relief that comes after that, it's scary to start. And we could talk about that too. I mean, I got kind of addicted out the gates and you had to be like, calm down. Like I was right. trying to go every day cause it was, that's a whole nother thing. But, um, I, it, there is just such a freedom that I feel by going to confession yeah. as opposed to just being like <clears throat> in your car, trying to say a prayer and just being like, you know, God, I'm sorry. And like, you just kind of like, even when I used to do that, I would feel like, ah, like, yeah, I'm forgiven. I, I know, but I still like, I could easily go do it again. There's no accountability. Yeah. It's like my friend, uh, I think it was Ed Forsman. He had a story like that where he went to confession one time 
but the priest was gone. He missed him. And so he was like, oh, I missed the priest. And the guy's like, hey, come with me. And this guy just led him to this back, like, I don't know. That sounds awful. It's back room. Horrible, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> not a back room. This guy led him somewhere. And there was this big, like, he had this big image on his wall of Jesus and the Sacred Heart. And the guy goes, dude, just confess your sins right here. Nice. Yeah. And Ed was like, you Interesting. know. Ed was well-educated in the faith enough to know that that was not. A valid. Not a valid thing. So, so help me understand. Why the priest? What does the church say in regards to that? So there's there's a lot of things. The, the the big background to this is understanding authority. Okay. So if you're coming from if you're out there if you're coming from a Protestant background, um, there's a temptation to think Christianity is about me and God, mm-hmm. and it's and everything's just me and God. And there's there's an, and very honestly there is a um, individualism there that's not healthy. Yep. Now the good side, of course, is that we are supposed to have a relationship with God. God is primary. He's first. Jesus does want a relationship with us. Of course, that's true. But that can be overplayed to the detriment of our relationship with the church, the body of Christ. And so what I tell people when we do this in our CIA, which is coming up, we talk about how God always works through people. Yep. So that's that's the key background. And this is, again, this is all over the Bible. So in... Um, in Genesis one, God names everything, right? He, he gives, you know, he creates things and God called the light day and the darkness night, right? And he, so he, he names things in Genesis one In Genesis two, he brings all the animals in front of Adam and Adam takes God's job and he names all the animals, that that's the first kind of place in the Bible where we see this. And and that's where this is part of what's reflected out of Genesis 1, 26 and 27, when it says that Adam and Eve were made in the image and likeness of God. They are God's image in this world. Um, and there's, there's a lot we could talk about with that, but this goes all through the Bible. So I tell people, uh, you know, God sends Moses to Egypt and Aaron to Pharaoh, the two of them go to Pharaoh and they asked Pharaoh to release the Jews out of slavery. And I always ask class, and we'll do this when it comes, you know, did, does God need Moses to do that? Right. So does he need him? No. Of course not. Of course God doesn't need Moses. God, God is the creator of all things. He is all powerful. He doesn't need Moses. But God loves to work through people. And he does this all throughout all of history. And so um, we could do a bunch of examples, and we won't do that, but... One, one last one would be, and maybe two last ones. There's um, a prophet. How would you define a prophet? What is a prophet? Like a enlightened one? Yeah, in some senses. In some sen- a lot of people would say, so it's not this. A lot of people would say it's someone who can tell the future. Okay. But that's not, uh, what a prophet is, a prophet is the mouthpiece of God. It's someone right. who speaks for God. Okay. So again, does God need someone to speak for him? No, he doesn't need that. But he chooses prophets anyways. Yep. And so a paradigm, God, and, and you don't even need the Bible for this. If you're a Christian or if you're someone who is looking for God, I tell people again in RCIA that probably not too many of them had Jesus appear to them and say, go to RCIA. <laughs> and they're like, what's RCIA? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they wouldn't know, even know. Usually people come closer to God through other human beings, whether it's a family member, whether it's your pastor whether it's a friend, 
usually most of us, there's another human being who helps us to get closer to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Catholics get that that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. That's actually beautiful. So in the New Testament, and this is really the critical piece if you're, if you're a Christian, if you're someone who wants to understand this, is that uh, God could forgive however he wanted to, but the way he actually gave us in the Bible and from the beginning of, of Christian, you know, Christian revelation is that God gave the authority to forgive to priests. Um, so Paul is going to talk about this, for instance, in 1 Corinthians 4 and 2 Corinthians 5. He's going to talk about the ministry of reconciliation. So in 1 Corinthians 4, let's look at that really, really quickly. Um, so in 1 Corinthians 4, St. Paul's talking about he and his companions. So 1 Corinthians 4, 1, he says, This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Now, mysteries, mysterion, mysterioi in Greek, um, that's the early Christian word for sacraments. So when mystery is translated from Greek into Latin, St. Jerome translates it as sacramentum. Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah. So the so the early church, the word for sacraments is a mystery. And so Paul in 1 Corinthians 4.1, this is how God should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards, think about that, stewards of the mysteries of God. God entrusts the, the mysteries to certain people. Um, and even if you're someone who isn't there yet on sacraments, which you, sh- you know, we could talk about that sometime, um, that's a pretty hard passage to wrestle with if you have a mindset that it's just me and Jesus. Right. Why would, why would Jesus entrust his mysteries to Paul and his companions as much as we might love Paul. Um, so, uh, in, and in second Corinthians five, um, Paul verse 18, he's going to say, he's talking about reconciliation. He says, all this is from God who through Christ, right? Through Christ, he reconciled us to himself. So that happened, right? And this is the Protestant question. The Protestants want to say, Christ reconciled us to himself on the cross. That's true. Paul says it right here, 2 Corinthians 5.18. Um, but he says, he goes on, he says, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So we go on and on about this, but the, the basic point is this, is that God entrusts this and he works through people. Yep. The objective reconciliation on the cross happened but it's it's gifted to the world through mediators, through priests. And uh, and then lastly, and I want to get to some practicals on confession, but it just it just makes sense humanly, but the the real scriptural warrant for this, there's a couple other places for this. And if we had time, we would go through Matthew chapter 10, where Jesus has been casting out demons and proclaiming the kingdom of God and curing the sick and healing the blind. And in Matthew 10, he turns to the apostles and all, just like God in Genesis 1 names everything, then he hands that over to Adam. In Matthew 10, all up until that point, Jesus has been uh, proclaiming the kingdom of God, driving out demons. Um, He's been curing the sick and the blind and the lame. And in Matthew 10, he sends the 12 apostles out to do the exact same thing he's been doing. So God works through people. 
Then in Matthew 16, uh, there's a 16, 18, the famous passage about Peter. There's another one there if you want to look at that. But I want to, I want to go to the real crux. The real, the real passage that just nails it is in John chapter 20. So you remember this one? No. One <laughs> <laughs> nope. of these times we're going to make you, I'm not going to answer any Bible questions, and I'm just going to make you lead, lead it all on a, a biblical topic. Perfect. So this is the key one, though. And this is so cool. So in John chapter 20, it's after the resurrection. And the apostles are at the Sea of Galilee. And uh, Jesus in John 20, 21. So let's look at that. Um, my headphone keeps cutting in and out as you're doing that. Yeah. Yeah. In John 20, 21. Um, so at the end of the gospel, there's 21 chapters in John's gospel. Um, but in John chapter 20... Uh, so let's start here in verse uh, 19. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Verse 21, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. And that's even a critical thing. Yeah. As the Father sent me, I send you. I send you. Yep. Why did God send Jesus into the world? One way to answer that would be to, for the forgiveness of sins. Right? Um, as the Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. Now, let's see if you remember this. There's only two times in all of Scripture where God breathes on someone. This is one. Oh. When, else, when else is there a time when God breathes? In Genesis? Yeah, good. Genesis what? Uh, yeah, what's the story? On like day six or seven or something like that? Yeah. Breathed it, life? In, it's in Genesis 2, yeah. And he breathes life into Adam. That's right. right? Yes. He breathes the breath of life. And so as Christians, we believe that sin brings death. And here what's going to, let's, let's read the rest of the passage. It says, when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now the word for the Holy Spirit in Hebrew, breath and spirit are the same word in Hebrew, ruah. And so those, those words are connected in the Jewish mind. Um, but he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. Did you hear that? If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. By the way, all of early Christianity with a capital A, all early Christianity believes that these apostles are the first priests of the new covenant. So cool. All yep. this is without dispute in early Christianity. Um, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained, which is similar language to Matthew 16, 18 with a papacy. But, but here's the point is that, and I want to get to the human piece of this. So it's, it is scriptural. Right, and I, I just want to challenge you, if you're out there, if you're coming from a biblical background and you don't understand this and you claim to be a Bible Christian, that is very, very clear. Yeah. That's very clear. Jesus Christ breathes the Holy Spirit into the first priests of the church and gives them authority to forgive sins. And in Acts chapter 1, we're shown that the apostles and that role is not just a one-time thing. We're shown it's an office. So in Acts chapter 1, the apostles elect a successor to Judas, Matthias. Um, and we th that could take us down a rabbit hole. But 
Why would he do that? And this is where I want to get to why it's so important. So, and I want to get your, I'm on the other side of the veil now, you know, yeah. like as a priest, <laughs> I'm the one sitting there like, you know, hearing confession. So it'd be, I want to hear from your perspective. But when I go to, and I still go to confession, yep. I go, I, I usually go about every two weeks. And the reason I think Jesus did this is because we're human beings. Right. And so there, it's a very different experience. It, like if I did something wrong to um, my brother, Trent, let's say, if I just go in my room and I kind of like, I'm like, Trent, I'm sorry. <laughs> and Forgive that, me, brother. Right. And that analogy limps because obviously, you know, Trent isn't God. But, but there's something I need. It, it's good for me to have to go to my brother and say, I am sorry and I had to admit I was wrong. Yep. Right? What's wrong with the world? I don't get to just say it's somebody else. It's Trent's fault. Yeah. I have to say, I, I did something wrong mm-hmm. and I'm sorry. And there is nothing in my experience of it is that when a priest, when a, when a voice that is audible, you have ears, you have senses, you're not an angel, right? You can see things, you can hear things. So when a priest says, I absolve you, of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I have a confidence with that because I know that priest has authority to forgive sins that I'm not just in my room hoping I feel better. Right. I'm like, right. all right, Lord, I want to feel your forgiveness. Like, And I don't want to caricature it too much. I can understand that. I've asked God for forgiveness in my room before, but then I go to confession. Yeah, yeah. But what, I don't know. What's your, what's your experience of this like on the other side of the curtain? <laughs> I was if, we, if we had to change our podcast name, that could be it. The other side of the curtain. Yeah. The, I was laughing when you were saying that, right? Right. When you were absolving, it's like, that's like the most joyous moment. I'm like, Woo-hoo, I'm out of here. Like, I'm doing the sign of the cross. All right. See ya. Like, <laughs> you know, harder was to show up today. See ya. I'm out. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think it was kind of, it, for me. And especially again, being confirmed two years ago, and never had been to confession, didn't know anything about confession. Um, I quickly became addicted to it. Yeah. And primarily because I've mentioned this before, but I hate gray area in life. Right. And I'm very black and white. So out the gate, like that's such my comfort zone. Yeah. And I started <clears throat> finding the um uh, list of consciousness or the what's it called? Examination of Examination of consciousness. And literally carried that in my wallet and would yep. be like, oh, <laughs> number 27, <laughs> check that off, right. check this, check that, blah, blah, blah. And I was literally like going. And the minute I crossed one of those off, it was like, not only did it, it was like, uh, there was no waiting two weeks. It was like, I have to go to the next available confession. Yeah. And I need to go now. Yeah. And I quickly started to get hooked. And thankfully, I'll never forget that. Like you were like, okay, it's like calm down a little bit. You don't need to go to that extreme of it and trying to find the balance of life and confession and all that. Yeah. But the act of literally, like I, I truly did, like I started laughing and getting like joyous when you were saying the absolution because to go in and, and, actually confess what has been eat literally like it eats you alive when you sin and you start to become aware of it and realizing that you are human and that you do have faults yep. and so to be able to go in and actually just say those things and to get it received hear some feedback or 
you know, hopefully positive feedback and ways to just kind of improve and yep. um, then to like hear those words. It's, I mean, man, it is one of the most amazing feelings possible. Yeah. No, I feel the same way. I, <clears throat> I love going to confession and it's funny as a priest, like people are like, Oh, that must be great. I'm like, I don't know when you're the priest and you're like confessing sins, you just kind of feel like, yeah, it's an extra layer. You I'm know better. Su- yeah. I'm supposed to- <laughs> exactly. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty embarrassing. Yeah. And I, when I go to confession, I always go face to face with there. I mean, it's been years since I've gone to a priest. I didn't know it's been a long, long time. Yeah. Um, and the, luckily I think the vast majority of priests out there are just, they're really good. They're good confessors and they, Oh, the, my companion brothers are great confessors. Father Sam Moorhead, shout out to him. He's yeah. the pastor down the road. He's a great confessor. I go to him to confession a fair amount and he's, it's, it's delightful. I love it. What do you do? What would you recommend if you don't get the great confession? And I mean that from the standpoint, and I, and I know I heard you mention this in RCA before and it kind of blew my mind, but I recently had that experience. Of, it was just a really bad experience. It was not with you. Um, but it was a, a really bad experience and it was, it felt harsh and it kind of just felt like, dude, I'm in here opening up and now I'm getting slapped around. Right. And, and, and maybe, you know, I'm sure not to be overly sensitive and to receive it, but it just felt, you know, I've gone to enough confession at this point yeah. and with a lot of very good confessors that or priests that, um, this was just fell off. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, <clears throat> so what, a good thing to think about is like, God is a person. He's not a checklist. And so yeah. I tell people like, like to your point earlier about a little bit of scrupulosity, right? That's right. Scrupulosity when, when we are overly anxious about sin, um, there's a balance here and it's a lot of like, it's like your relationship with Steph, mm-hmm. right? If, if you, if you and Steph, if you came home every night and you had a list of eight things that you had done wrong that day she would kind of be like okay patrick love you and my love and i really do love you and you don't have to tell me every time that you didn't like i don't know put the toilet seat down or something (laughs) um i've never lived with a woman so i don't know do they not like that it's definitely frowned upon yeah for sure frowned upon gets me in trouble yeah see there you go yeah see i know a lot about this stuff you do (laughs) But uh, God, I think God's like that. There's a, there's a, if you have a mortal sin, right? A sin that's really serious matter. And we have to form our consciences like with time. And kind of like a marriage is a good analogy is when you're a single guy, you might think some things are just not a big deal. Yep. And, but when you enter into a relationship, the deeper you enter in, you begin to realize that even though you didn't think it was a big deal, doesn't mean it wasn't. Gosh. I, I joke about that with you all the time, but I feel like that's my relationship with faith and God yeah. and being Catholic and understanding, starting to understand some of the church's teachings. Yep. Exactly to your point. There are so many days where I'm like, Ugh, two years ago, this was never an issue. Right. Like you name it, abortion, um, for, you know, living together before you're married, any of that kind of stuff. Drunkenness more, probably. Drunken. Oh yeah. yeah. That's like Mary, Mary Rogers. She always says, she's always like, she doesn't get, she's like, as long as it's not public. <laughs> That's what, yeah. Like the more I become Catholic, the more I'm like, oh, it was never an issue. 
Yeah. And it's it's a beautiful thing, but ultimately I'm I'm like, dang it, here I go, back to the wood box to talk to Father Brian. Yeah, and this is an important distinction though. So like so one two quick things. One is that there's a great analogy some of the saints use. And uh they talk about how like if my clothes are really, really dirty, I might not know it if I'm in a dark room. Yeah. But if if I if I go out into the light, I begin to I'm like, oh wow, I've got stains all over my clothes. Yep. And they'll they'll use that as an analogy. So Mother Teresa went to confession, I think, every week. And for me, I'm like, what is Mother Teresa confessing <laughs> yeah, in the confessional? You know? I'm like, she's like, Yeah, I um I missed a spot on the toilet I was cleaning for the lepers that I was carrying yeah, for. You know, totally. you're like, what is Mother Teresa confessing? But one of the things the saints will say is they'll say that the closer you draw to God, near to God, your sins, they just, they become more abhorrent to yep. you. You hate your sins more. So that's one thing. But the other thing I'd say is this is really important. God really is merciful. Yeah. And it is not, this is not a like, some some people fall into the, the trap of, you know, I have to name, I have to check all the boxes. Yep. Oh crap. I, I went to confession and I forgot to mention that I crossed the street and not a jaywalk. No, that's not Christianity. Christianity is, it's just like a relationship. It's that the father's love is real and going to confession is, it's Pope Benedict says this. I love this. He says, the essence of confession is not that I named every sin. It's that I love God and I'm sorry for for not living as I should have lived and I want to be closer to him. That's way more important. Yeah. Way more important. The only thing you can't do is if, if you forgot to mention, you know, I, uh, I don't know, like I, I lusted after a woman next door Mm -hmm. and you forgot to mention that. That's okay. You should try to remember it, but it's okay. The only thing you can't do is if you have a really big sin and you intentionally leave it out. Totally. And that doesn't that just make sense. It's like if you get in a fight with stuff and, I don't know, you let your dog like eat her shoes because you were ticked at her <laughs> and you apologize for eight other things, but you're, you're not going to say sorry for that. That's right. And then two weeks later, I'm like, yeah, but I apologize. Yeah. But I she would be apologize like, what I exactly. should have. Yeah. The, the big thing that you both know is a big thing, right? It's a lot like that. It's like God is not a tyrant. He's not someone who's out there who's like, <laughs> miss three. That's right. right? That's right. Uh, I have to tell you this story. I, I don't know if I ever told you this, but when I first, uh, probably the week after I was confirmed, and I was so like, so into it again. Like I can't, that is the understatement of the year of how big I was into confession and examining my consciousness and blah, blah, blah. And I called into EWTN because the one thing that was eating me alive. Right. And it was, I called, I was like, like, like my priest is a heretic. No, yeah. no. I called in and I got on, I was live with Father Larry Richards. Oh, he's, I don't really know him, but I hear he's good. Though. Oh, he's savage. He's awesome. But, um, and I, I remember I want hold and I called Steph's mom and I was like, hey, I got a question. Listen, like this is going to be awesome. <laughs> and the biggest question that was eating me alive, which thankfully he answered very similar to how you did, but God is merciful, was this is where my head was. If I commit a mortal sin yeah. and I have full intentions of going to confession, but I get in a car accident and I die. And I never got to confess that sin. Yeah. Do I go to hell? Yeah. Right. Like that was where kind of my my mind was starting to wander as far as like that was where the urgency of getting to confession was. Right. There was no joke. Like I was like, if I don't do this now, <sighs> who yeah. knows? Life can end tomorrow. 
Right. Like, and it was really becoming fearful in that. Um, so it, and then talking to you through all that stuff of like scrupulosity and it really meant a lot to just like ease those nerves of like, there is a mercy here. And by the way, the answer to that, I think, I don't know what father Larry said, I remember it was a while ago, but it was, um, but I will say, so we are bound by the sacraments, but God's not, he's bigger than them. Yep. God gave us the sacraments as means, but he's over them. So it's not like God can't forgive outside of the sacrament confession for my part, right? Like I know he's promised, right? John 20, 21 and following. He has promised when you go to a priest for confession that your sins will be forgiven. So I know that, but does that mean God can't forgive me in another way? Right. Of course he can. He can do whatever he wants. He's God. So in that circumstance, we trust God's mercy and his goodness. And maybe a good kind of, kind of ending point today, just a tremendous hope like sometimes when I meet certain Christians out there and they're the hard line, like, you know, oh man, like you were, you were judgmental. You are, you're in big trouble. Right. You know, and, so, and there's some certain Catholics you meet sometimes where it's like, and not to pick on them, but I'm just not like this and I don't understand it. There's certain Catholics, you finish a conversation with them and you get the sense that there's probably about four people in heaven and you're not going to be one of them. Totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, they're like, yeah, you're judgmental. It's like me, you're judging me yeah, right now. Right. Now, Okay. Right. Let me follow you for two days. I'll you, find something. You calm down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the, for me, I'm like, that's not the God I know. Like, yes, all the right caveats. Yes. We have to confess our sins. Blah, 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 blah. The God I know is Luke 15. It's when the prodigal son repents of his sins. Right. The father is looking for him. And in Luke 15, it says that the father saw him from a distance. Yep. And what does the father do? He runs to him, right? And, and he doesn't even let him finish confessing. And he wraps his arms around him and he puts an, uh, a new cloak on him and shoes on his feet and a ring on his finger. And he embraces his son and restores him. That's the God we have. Totally. And I just love that. And like one more line, if you're, if you're someone who needs hope, if you're in your life, you're like, if you're scared about your sins, don't be scared of your sins, brothers and sisters. The blood of Jesus Christ is greater than anything. St. Thomas Aquinas says that one drop of Christ's blood could forgive all the sins of humanity of all time. One drop. One drop, Hitler's sins, Stalin's, the, the most horrible things of history, one drop. And your sin is not as big as the, and as, as powerful as the blood of Christ. So if you need a good passage for that, Colossians 2. I love Colossians 2. Um, so let me look at the exact verse really quick. But in Colossians 2, St. Paul is talking about the cross. And what he says uh, is he talks about how the victory on the cross um, was not a small victory. Um, but he says this, um, he says, you who are dead in trespasses, this is verse 13, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. And here's the key part. Having canceled the bond which stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed, and I love it. This is one of my favorite verses in all of scripture, Colossians 2.15. He disarmed the principalities and powers and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in him. 
Let me read that to you one more time and just explain it. He disarmed the principalities and powers and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in him. Here's what Paul is saying in Colossians 2.15. He's talking about the crucifixion, the principalities and powers. Those are demons. And think about this. When Jesus Christ was crucified, he was naked in a public place. He went through an agonizing, horrific death. Most crucifixion victims, they lose control of their bodily functions. Um, it is designed to be as humiliating and shameful, I get emotional here, as horrific a death as you can imagine. And what St. Paul says there in Colossians 2 is that in that moment, it wasn't Christ who was humiliated. It was the demons. Mm. And he uses the word, the triumph is a technical Greek word. And it's a word for a victorious military parade where the victorious general has his enemies that he's captured and he marches them through, it would either have been Athens or Rome, and he shows his glory by showing the strongest of his enemies. And so Paul says the moment that Jesus was crucified publicly, the demons that tormented you were publicly humiliated and put to shame. I think it's one of the most beautiful images in all of scripture. Isn't that awesome? Oh, brings a whole new perspective that episode we talked about going to church and when you're in mass, yeah, putting yourself at the crucifixion. At the crucifixion. So I would encourage all of you, you know, you got to walk down line, go to confession. Don't be scrupulous. God's love and his mercy and the, the, the blood of Christ is bigger than you. You don't have to, you don't have to go every time you commit a small sin. You go and you commit a mortal sin. Um, but wow, confession, what a great gift. What, I don't know if we like fully touch on this. I missed it, but if you have the bad experience. Oh yeah, we didn't. What would you say? You've heard me talk about it. I, yeah, get up and walk out. Yeah, that's what I would tell you. If, if you have a priest who's being harsh with you, I, that's what I would do. I would get up and walk out. Because one of my, like one of our professors in seminary had a great line and he was telling guys, don't be harsh in the confessional. And his, his line was, you didn't bleed on the cross. Mm. You didn't do that. You don't get to condemn these people. Oh, that's awesome. I love that line. It's always stuck with me. And so in the, in the confessional, um, if you have someone who's really being harsh, you don't have to stay there. Get up go I would just get up and walk out but go back don't but don't let that keep you from Christ right don't let that keep you from the sacrament there are bad priests out there there are harsh priests some priests like me just have bad days sometimes I don't think I'm ever harsh in the confessional I try really hard not to but don't don't throw out the baby with the bathwater right if you have a bad experience with the doctor you don't stop going to all doctors some people do this with confession so if you have a bad experience yeah. get up and walk out but don't leave confession because of that don't, go go find a priest who is the real, the real deal. Don't cancel the Catholic Church cancel, based yeah. on one priest and your experience. Uh, but I think it was so relieving to hear you say that uh, yeah. going through RCA just because it has popped up a few times, and to just kind of hear that, or you know, I come back and I'll tell you about it or whatever. But um, it, that part is powerful. Yeah. Um, and then the last, I always, I crack up. I was telling Megan in the office today, I was like, confession is so funny for me because I, I, I love it. 
But for whatever reason, the... <laughs> Don't point your fingers at me. I know. I just have to say this. I was thinking about it today of like, I don't know if I've ever, if I ever get more frustrated than when I'm in line for confession. I think because I hype myself up, I'm like, I'm going to do this. It's going to feel so good. But confession's not like typically, you don't find it where it's like all day, you know, it's like it's normally 30 minutes before or after mass, or there's a certain time, you know, here, Lord's we do it for two hours, blah, blah, blah. But when you show up and the line is like yeah. through the roof or you get there, even worse, is where you're like, oh, it's 30 minutes, I'm good. There's four people in line. And somehow you miss it because people are in there for like 18 minutes a pop. I, I generally have to go into confession and confess my anger and frustration. Right, <laughs> and totally. Like lack of patience standing in line. Totally. It's pretty amazing. And then there's nothing more frustrating um especially like and i've learned to love it you taught me this too but the fact of not receiving communion right when you're in mortal sin right and but when you go and you try to make the effort to go to confession before mass and then you miss and yeah, then you have to sit yep. and have everyone you know oh, no, i'm not going you guys go by or you have to stand up and let people go by and like Oh man, it just it's a real learning experience to get used to that. Yeah, some sometimes people go long in the confessional because they need to. Sometimes people go to the confessional and they just want to talk to the priest. Totally. And <clears throat> priests fall off. And I know some priests, by the way, who I love, usually it's priests who don't have a parish, who I think they are so excited to be doing ministry. God bless them. But they, they have like 15-minute confessions. Totally. And I'm like, dude, come gotta on. Go. We, got, we, got, we got 50 people in line. You can't do 15-minute confessions. Like. I do, and I do think twice about any sort of sin that's going to cause me to go to confession on Saturday nights because I don't want to not receive communion. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's good. So yeah. I get worried. It's like extra. It's like, do I really want that extra drink tonight because uh, then I'll probably have to go to confession. If I don't make it, I don't get to receive. Then Steph's going to look at me all weird when she gets up and I'm not going and like, it's just, it's an interesting, I love it. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, thanks for help explaining that. I think just even the process of RCIA, but some of those simple tad bits that make it, again, just the principle of going in and feeling the relief of forgiveness from Christ yep. instead of the judgment. It feels amazing. Yeah. All right, everybody. We're out of time today. Email us. Rant at lordsdenver.org. Rant at lordsdenver.org. Um, and so you can find us. Tell your friends about us. Uh, hopefully this is a podcast that helps people know their faith better, to know Jesus Christ better, uh, and to love him more. So. And Seek 2021 is happening this weekend. Uh, this comes out on Friday. Hopefully um, we are venturing, as we said, into the world of video. And hopefully that's up, but otherwise uh, it will be up shortly. Uh, but this, no matter what, will come out on Friday. So if you get this, you're listening um, tune in to Seek 2021. Seek 2020. You have and a great face for radio. Man, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. See you next time. See ya.